Hello and welcome back to episode two of Box Score Sports Podcast. I am your host, Alex Phillips, with my co-host here, Bradley Betke. This week, we got some NFL Week 1 preview. Football is back. We're going to talk roster cuts and trades. College football, we got some Week 2 preview. We're going to touch on our Heisman candidates, as well as Jalen Hurts' huge debut in Oklahoma. Moving on to the NBA, we got Shaq and Kobe, DeMarcus Cousins, and Melo to the Nets. Then we'll move on to Verlander's no-hitter. And the home runs going on in MLB. We got some fun stuff planned for the end. But before all that, we want to thank our sponsor, On the Dune Sports, for giving us the space and giving us the opportunity to make this happen. With that being said, let's jump right into it. Here we go. Let's get into it, folks. Welcome to episode two, Box Score Sports. Here we are, your hosts, Alex and Brad. How's it going, guys? So, let's get right into it. We got some NFL talk here. Week one preview. Alex, you got some good games for me. What do we got? The games I'm looking out for this week are Green Bay at Chicago, obviously, uh, in rival division, or I'm sorry, in comp. <laughs> In division rivals, uh, then you got Kansas City going to Jacksonville. There's a, there's just quite a few games this week that I'm looking forward to. Um, in Green Bay and Chicago, I mean, I know you're looking out for a few players. Who are you looking at? Well, obviously you got to go with the cliches. You know, I'm looking out for uh, Rodgers and Adams. You know, they've always had the chemistry. I'm just curious to see if it continues. Like I said, you know, I got rogers as my offensive player of the year this year so i'm very curious to see how that goes but i think the players that i'm looking out the most for and it's actually it's not a very you know predictable one is uh how haha clinton dix and eddie jackson do playing the teams they got traded from in week one yeah that should be interesting for sure i mean I'm, i'm just looking forward to that game i'm ready for football to be honest with you thursday can't come any sooner but uh i mean in that game there's going to be some interesting matchups. I'm curious to see Green Bay with their uh, first-year head coach, and I'm curious to see Chicago. Uh, I, I think Green Bay is going to lose. That's just my personal opinion. Um, Chicago has that one in the bag to me. But, that, I mean, what do you think? Who do you got winning that game? I got Green Bay. Um, it's definitely going to be close, and if you ask me, I think it's not going to be too high scoring because if you think about it, yes, Green Bay has a threatening offense, but – Chicago has a threatening defense, and I think the other side for each team, Green Bay's defense, Chicago's offense is not anything to really sticks out to me. So I'm pretty. I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring game if yeah, you ask I me. I could see that. NFC North known for low scoring games, but moving on to the next one, we got Kansas City at Jacksonville. I'm just interested to see that Jacksonville defense against Kansas City. I think they're game ready. Uh, I mean, they didn't play much in the preseason, but I, I think it should be interesting to see them going against Pat Mahomes and seeing Pat Mahomes' uh, 5,000 yard season get kick-started let's see how many yards he gets yeah, without week one. a doubt I mean they definitely have that threatening secondary as well you with Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye and a few other guys but um 
I'm ready to see Josh Allen uh, sack the shit out of Pat Mahomes. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I think he'll get one off. Yeah, no, he'll get one. One or two, I think. One. 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 We'll see. No more. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to the next one. We got Atlanta and Minnesota. Uh, with that one, I'm just I'm ready to see Atlanta. I think they're going to have a big year this year. I think their offense is going to be pretty good. But starting in Minnesota is a big challenge with that defense. So I'm curious to see that. But I think Atlanta can pull that one off. I agree. Um, I don't think you can slow that offense down very much. You know, Devontae Freeman's always been a, a workhorse, you know, and then obviously Julio and Mohamed Sanu and yeah, uh, it's going to be a good game. That's for Hooper sure. at tight end. And obviously you got, you know, Matt Ryan. Right. Moving on to the next one, I got Tennessee at Cleveland. I'm just excited to see Cleveland's team come on the field. I mean, I, I don't see Tennessee being that great this year. And just seeing Cleveland's offense, how well they mesh together, and really their defense too, Baker Mayfield, you know, MVP year coming. So <laughs> At the end I'm of the day, it's really just a matter of can Cleveland live up to the hype that they've yeah, had all offseason. I mean, I don't think Tennessee's a huge test. They're obviously at home, but – any game for the first game of the year when you have all these new personalities coming in with a first-year head coach should be interesting to well, see. And then again, you know, I'm not, the Titans, yeah, they're not very good, but their defense is their strong suit. So it's definitely going to be an interesting show out for, for the sure, Browns. For sure. And then we got some uh, AFC East battles with your uh, New York Jets going against my Buffalo Bills. Who do you got on that one? I'm taking my Jets, baby. <laughs> taking your Jets? I mean, I just, with LaShawn McCoy leaving and Singletary getting that starting position, I think I think it should be an interesting game, and I'm ready to see uh, Josh Allen run, a, run the other Josh Allen run the ball and throw the ball and make you guys look like shit. You, but, and, your, hey, you hey. and your Josh Allens, man. Yeah, I love Josh Allens, man. Rock it for an <laughs> arm. Rock it for an arm. And then I got Indy at L.A., I'm ready for that one. Just because I want to see Indy with Jacoby Brissett, I think that I think this is when the media, us included, will uh, will kind of shut up about the whole Andrew Luck situation. Because I think J- Jacoby Brissett's going to have a good year, and I think I'm I'm interested in seeing Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson Jackson fill that void with Melvin gone. Uh, I'm really curious to see how the Chargers play. So I'm looking forward to that. Chargers have it at home, so that shouldn't be that's going to be a big challenge for Indy. But looking forward to that one. I think Indy pulls it off though. Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned before, Indy's still got a lot going on, so I am very curious. I really don't have much to say about that. It's just a matter of I want to sit back and really see what happens because this week will definitely show, like, are they ready or are they not? Right, that is true. That is true. And then uh, before I get into the Detroit game, I want to talk – we got Pittsburgh and New England week one. And that, to me, I'm Pittsburgh always excited. Pittsburgh in New England? No, it's in New England, yep. But I'm excited to see that week one. You usually get that later on in the season if it happens at all, but that's always a fun game to watch. I'm excited to see New England if Josh Allen's back for that. Uh, Pittsburgh without AB and without Le'Veon Bell for the first time in the last couple of years. I'm just curious to see how they go, and I think Pittsburgh's also primed to have a pretty big year this year with Cleveland going head-to-head in that Definitely. division. Um, obviously, my defensive player to look out for in Pittsburgh is definitely Devin, Devin Bush. Bush yeah. He's U-Bound. definitely one to watch. But um, I'm also very curious because the Patriots, you know, with they did just drop Demarius Thomas, but they I got something today that they re-signed him yeah. to a one-year deal. Yeah, that's a little curious when you told me that. Right. I mean, I don't know if that speaks to Josh Gordon and maybe he's not going to be there or what. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I still think that that I think it just adds depth. Be, yeah, that is true. But then again, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in that one because New England never takes September seriously in history. They always they always lose, just like last year when Detroit. They beat always them and start got the season off a little slow and. Well, pick, it, pick it up a little always too. said that their season doesn't start until uh, until December, January, January when the playoffs start. So um, I'm, I don't think they're too worried about it. But moving on to uh, our local team here, Detroit at Arizona. What do you got? 
Think um, Kyler Murray blows it up, or I think he'll he'll be okay. I think he throws you know about three hundred yards, touchdown and interception. But um, I think your player to watch out this game, and you're not going to expect this. Kenny Kenny Galladay is going to be the big guy that week. Kenny Galladay. Hey, that's I'm going to tell you right now he's going to have he's going to have 220 receiving yards Whoa. and two touchdowns. Whoa, that's high hopes for Kenny Galladay. He's going to he's going to go. A little bit off. of a shock to me. What what about the other guys? You think Marvin Jones? I think have a he big is game? going to just target Kenny all game long. What about our boy Hawkinson? He'll have a few receptions, yeah. but I, mean, I don't see him making. I a think huge they're going to use him as more of a run block guy, which I mean, I like it. That's what he's, you know, he it was yeah. his probably his strong shoot over in Iowa. Yeah. Um, I just, I really think Kenny Galladay is going to once again week one against Arizona, just like he did in 2017. And Blow just it up. Have okay. an outstanding. I can see that, and I would love to see it. And uh, as of right now, I think Detroit's favored by three and a half points, if I remember correctly. Looking this morning. I think Detroit wins it. I know they have a hard time playing in Arizona, but it should definitely be an interesting game to watch, and I'm excited to see this new revamped defense this year. So hopefully Patricia and Quinn got it right this time, and I'm ready to see it. I want to see Tavai on the field too and see what they do with Davis missing. So that's going to be a good game to look forward to. Uh, do you want to move on to the surprising cuts we saw this week? Yeah, so I actually um, I did plan on talking to Marius Thomas. I actually wanted uh, – I saw him either getting signed in Detroit, actually, or even um, New York Giants. Um, but obviously, with him getting taken by get back again by the Patriots, that's out of the question. But there are a few names that really stuck out to me: is uh, Buffalo dropping Shady? I didn't yeah. see that. I was. I like, don't think anybody saw that. That no. was obviously then, the most I mean, surprising one this week. Good for the Chiefs for picking up on that, though. I mean, yeah, where that where it is this morning, uh, Andy Reid came out and said. Uh, that he expects him and Williams to be the starters. They're going to share the role as starter for Kansas City, which is interesting to me. I mean, seeing seeing McCoy get re, uh, reunited with Andy is interesting, and I'm curious to see how they use him. I mean, he's 31, but just before last year, he was in five consecutive Pro Bowls, so he's still potentially got it, but I'm, I'm really curious to see that offense with him. Without a doubt. Um, another one that stuck out to me was uh... – Oh, what's his name? Oh, it wasn't a wasn't a it wasn't a drop. It was more of a trade. It was the obviously the clowny deal. Yeah. In Seattle. Yeah, clowny. That's we can get into that in a minute. Yeah, that's a will. that's a pretty big that's a story of its own. We got that's a segment for him. I mean, Houston in general blew it up this year. I mean, I think Jakai Polite was a big one. Uh, third round, he just got drafted. So to see to see a third rounder that got drafted this year just get cut, I, that either tells me he sucks or, I mean, they did switch GMs since drafting him. So there's a chance that that GM didn't like him, didn't see him fit in their scheme. I'm, I'm wondering if he lands somewhere else in the future or if that's it, like short-lived career, maybe he's going to the XFL. I think he might be a guy that bounce around, bounces around because um, obviously – Going into the draft, I didn't have too high, too many of a high, too much of a high hope for him. Um, I mean, I liked him. I was thinking about him as a third or fourth rounder for Detroit, to be honest with you. But um, I just think he's going to bounce around, get a couple one, two year deals here and there. Um, I don't see him really being a significant, you know, off season acquisition for yeah, any teams. I, though, when I see a guy like that, I mean, I think 
I don't know his potential, but his potential's there compared to like if you're looking for a team like say Miami. I mean, they just traded for a new linebacker, which we're going to get into in a minute. But that might not be a bad pickup. He's still got potential. You got Brian Flores down there. He could potentially develop him a little bit better. I think uh, overall, I mean, he's a young guy, so that's like a project for a rebuilding team. That's why I brought up Miami. I, I think it's not. It's something you should definitely consider. Um, but I mean, obviously, if you didn't if make you want it, in my York, opinion, I think New England's going to grab him. You think New England will? That, I think I think I think they would grab him because I mean, it's clear they know how to transform players. I mean, that is true. The most notable one, obviously, for us is going to be Van Noy out of Detroit. You know, goes there, wins how many Super Bowls? I mean, it, I think they'll grab him, try to develop him, see what they can get. If not, you know, I really have no no clue where else he would go. Maybe Baltimore. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I could see him fitting anywhere. I mean, it's just really, he could go to Baltimore. I could see that. They cut Shane Ray. That's another notable one I had written down here. He's, I think, Shane Ray losing him. I mean, that just was interesting to me. But if he doesn't fit with Baltimore or Denver, he's 26 years of, old. So You know, on top of Baltimore losing Suggs and Mosley both, yeah. um, which were very notable players for them um, for years now, especially Suggs. Yeah. Um, so I think they're just looking for depth at the moment. Because they really don't got any big names right now. Right. Um, Other than Earl Thomas, but yeah. At, I mean, at linebacker. Oh, though. at linebacker. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then uh, the only other one I had written down here was Wendell Smallwood. I think the only reason I wrote this down was just that that solidifies for me that uh, Sanders is going to be a pretty big part of that offense this year for Philly. So, uh, I mean, that's all I have as far as notable cuts this week. I mean, there's plenty of them. I mean, as you saw, I sent you the list and we've both looked at it. Were there any other ones you noticed that you wanted to get into or? Um, nothing serious. I think the thing that just to this day still blows my mind is how the hell Eric Berry's not on an NFL team right now. Um, he's never really had a off year. You know, he's always been a pretty damn good tackler, high, you know, high percentage of tackling. Um, he's at, you know, he's got a handful of interceptions in his, in his career and he's never, I mean, he's not great, but he's not bad. And I'm just really confused how he's not signed right now. Yeah, no, that surprised me too. We were just talking about that before the show. I, I'm amazed that Eric Bear is still out there. I mean, that's it, I could see a T Stabar getting a team before him, which is fucking sad to say. But I mean, I, it's crazy that he's still he was cut a while ago. I mean, he's been a free agent for quite some time. If a team's going to get him, they would have got him. Yeah. I really expected this offseason to be one for him, but I mean, clearly not. You know, I think there might be. If you ask me, I think there's going to be a pretty significant injury for a team at some point throughout the season. He's going to fill that spot I can't tell you what team who else but I think that's gonna be reiterate him into the the league one more time definitely definitely and beyond that I mean outside of the cuts we got some big trades this week oh yeah so first one I want to touch on is uh Miami Houston here with uh you know they sent Laramie Tunsil Kenny Stills over to Houston and a few draft picks yeah um I mean what do you think this means for Houston's offense I I'm not going to lie. I don't think Houston got any better with these trades. I mean, they, that wasn't the only trade they made. They got Laramie Tunzel. They got rid of, or they got Kenny Stills and they got rid of uh, Clowney. But I just, I think they didn't make it enough of a point to address their O-line from one of the worst O-lines last year. I think Laramie Tunzel's an upgrade, but not a huge upgrade from what they already had. Um, and then th- now they're they're risking the chance of losing that you know pass rusher kind of defense that they have because they don't really outside of outside of Clowney, who did they really have that's going to make that noise on the field? I just I think it might have put them back a little bit. 
Do you forget who J.J. Watt is? Okay, well, yeah, you got J.J. Watt, man, but he's been he's been one of the best the defensive. Line. I mean, other than that, you know, you look at when he was healthy and when he is on the field, he's been one of the most consistent, successful pass rushers in football. Well, 100%. For he's averaged, years. what, a sack a game his entire career or something like that? Like, damn near a sack a game every every year. Um, Pro Bowl which, every, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me wrong. J.J. Watt's still there, but overall, for a team perspective, I just don't see them getting much better. Um, and really, I think, without a general manager, sent you just sent two of your first-round picks and a second-round pick for the next two years away for these two guys, and then you're going to have to pay Laramie in the next couple of years. I just... I don't know, man. I don't think Houston got that much better with these trades. It's definitely on the border for me because um, I personally, I do like Kenny Stills. Um, I think he's a very, you know, not talented, but I think he, he's, one, he's one of those guys who, who will always be just above average. He's not really going to get better, but he's not really going to get worse. You know, I've been keeping an eye on him for the last few years in Miami and... I mean, he's a pretty good guy. He's a guy that if you throw it to him, he's going to catch it. And, you know, I think that that, you know, strengthens their threat at wide receiver. On top of, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, you know, now you got a guy that can come out of the slot and be great at it. You know what I mean? So They did need some more wide receiver depth, and having him in the slot will definitely help that offense. So, And then they also added uh, Carlos Hyde this week. Yeah, running back. Yeah, so that should be interesting to see. I don't, I don't think Carlos Hyde has really lived up to his potential when he got drafted out of Ohio State. I think that'll be curious to see moving forward. But, I mean, with him and Duke Johnson and then uh, Karan Higdon, if he did, he make the team. I don't even. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure if he did or that, not. But I, I know between those two guys, you should have a decent run game between the two, especially with Duke having a threat out of the backfield. So that should be good moving forward. I think it's good that they addressed that rather than ignoring it. But I'm surprised they didn't go for McCoy. In my opinion, that would have been the guy I went for over Carlos Hyde. But I guess uh, McCoy decided he's going to Kansas City, and they decided they're going to get Hyde from Kansas City. So, Well, yeah, if you ask me, I actually kind of like the Hyde uh, move because, yeah. like we mentioned uh, last week, uh, Duke Johnson's more of a receiving guy. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's never had more than 400 rushing yards in his NFL career. Um, so I think that he's going to have a very out-of-the-backfield role. Right. Um, I think kind he's like going to have a, yeah, almost a theoretic style. Um, and then Duke's, uh, not Duke, uh, Carlos Hyde's going to take over that real, you know, major rusher um, type of guy. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll see. I could see it, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see it. I think, like I said, though, I think Houston kind of, I don't want to necessarily say they shot themselves out of it, but I'd say they, they might be losing one more game than they would have when we talked about it last week, I think now that I don't remember where I hit Houston last week, I think I had him in third already. Did I? So I'm going to keep him right there. I think it's still going to be Jacksonville, Indy, Houston, and then Tennessee at the bottom. We'll see. But I, I think Houston might've hurt themselves more than helped themselves in this one. Well, uh, going back to that Jada, uh, Jadavion Clowney mention, um, that brings up the conversation of Seattle's defense. Are we going to see Legion of Boom part two? Yeah, we might. I mean, have you seen the new front seven? You got you got Bobby Wagner, Jadavian Clowney, KJ Wright, Jaron Reed, that first round draft pick, and uh, LJ Collier, and then Ziggy Anza if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's pretty scary looking at it on paper. I mean, I could see it, man. Seattle. I, I was thinking about it after we had the show last week. I was like, I don't know if Seattle's gonna have that great of a year, but now you look at it and you're like, 
well, Seattle could have a damn good year. You know what I mean? So I'm sticking I'm, with what I said. NFC Championship. They're going to do it. I can it. see it. I, I can think see it. That, I mean, still have some question marks on uh, the offensive side, but, you know, you still got Russell Wilson, so I'm not too worried. But that team definitely got better with that clowny trade. Um, he signed his t- tender. Uh, I know he's franchise tag this year, but according to reports that Seattle promised him, he's not going to try get, they're not going to tag him at the end of this year. They're going to look to extend him. So that'll be interesting to see moving on later on in the season, but definitely, uh, definitely should be interesting to see Seattle's defense. That's going to be uh pretty scary moving forward. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, um, when I think about it, our, you look at the receiving core, you know, they got Tyler Lockett, and then obviously um, they did make an acquisition. I know they picked somebody up. I can't remember who it is. It's just blanking my brain right now. Um, but I know that they they, they got another wide receiver. Um, obviously, they got Chris Carson um, at back, yep. and then they still have Rashad Penny out of USC, I believe. Um I mean, I don't know. And obviously, Russell Wilson, without a doubt, I, I, I think that team's going to be a little yeah, better I than think, everybody think they will be. I think the trades definitely helped them. That's for damn sure. Um, but, yeah, they're going to be an interesting team to see. Uh, and then the other trades we got for Miami, they had a fire sale this weekend. We already mentioned Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills. They sent Kiko Alonso to New Orleans. That's pretty big, pretty big trade to follow up with. They just traded him straight up for Vince Beagle. He was a 2017 fourth-round pick from Green Bay. He hasn't really done much in his career. I think he played six or seven games somewhere in there. Uh, and then they also traded for Danny Isadora from uh, Minnesota for a seventh-round pick. And then they also traded with Indy with, for Evan Bohm, uh, and that was just for conditional picks. They haven't disclosed who or what they're trading for that. But at the end of all of this, they ended up getting a f- two first-rounders, a second-rounder, that undisclosed late-round pick, and cleared nearly $20 million in cap space. So I think really that tells me Miami and Brian Flores is looking to rebuild after this year, and that team could be scary in a couple of years. I mean, the AFC East might toughen up a little bit because you already are high on New York. I'm high on Buffalo. You got Miami in the works in the next couple of years and New England, according to you, and kind of me, I think they're on the downswing. So the AFC East could be interesting moving forward. Yeah, I'm very, very, very inter- uh, curious about what's going to happen in these upcoming off seasons. That's the first reaction to all this Miami action to me was what the hell is going to happen in, you know, in the near future, you know, it's, yeah, they got all this going on, but you look at the draft picks, man, they are loaded for the next two seasons. Right. That is definitely true. Uh, and that's really all I have for the NFL, except one thing that I saw this week that really actually just pissed me off on Reddit. Um, I was scrolling through just checking out the NFL subreddit and scrolled past this user question. I can't remember the user. I'm not going to roast the guy anyways. Well, I'm going to roast him. Just not going to by name roast him. But uh, he posed a question, and I, I think I've already mentioned it, but I haven't really told you what all that he said. He asked, as a fan, what's your uh, least, what's your most, uh, what's the word, draining team that you've rooted for as an NFL fan? In my personal opinion, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm biased. This is him quoting him. Uh, and then he said, but I could also see the Cleveland Browns as a team that sent with their own 16 season, but I don't feel that they were that drained because they kind of embraced that. So I scrolled through and I was like, all right, well, I got my answer. Where, where's, where's the Lions? So I'm scrolling through and I see Washington and I see Indy and I see all these other teams. And I, I only see the Lions mentioned once by a guy who didn't live in Detroit except for the year that they went 0-16. And he said, well, I think they just celebrated the fact that they went 0-16. So I don't find them to be that draining of a team to root for. 
so that when I saw that, I was triggered. I got pissed. I mean, you're telling me a team that's never been to the Super Bowl has only had one playoff win since 91. Actually, shit, the only playoff win in their history is in 91. They lost Barry Sanders and they lost Kelvin Johnson early in their careers. Two of the best players in their skill positions. They went 0-16. They did all these things. We had Matt Millen. This team has been trash for years and years and years. And no one on that Reddit thread had to say, hey, look. The Lions were the guys. Well, you want to know what triggers me the most about that fucking shit is when I look at people like Jim Caldwell won a Super Bowl with Indy. Jim Schwartz won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. Matt Patricia winning multiple Super Bowls in New England. But all of these coaches have come to Detroit and we haven't won shit. Right. That's the shit that drains me the most is you see these coaches succeeding everywhere but fucking Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck. It's it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, the saddest part about all this is the Lions, as a fan... Our most winningness head coach is at the same time our most losingness head coach in Wayne Fonts. This, the, our best coach in history has won the same amount or the most games ever in our like franchise history, but has also lost the most. That's the kind of team we're rooting for every year. And this guy has the balls to go on fucking Reddit and say, "Hey, the Lions aren't that bad. Like, that's not that draining." And I think they're. I don't think argument, he has the right to make that claim. Yeah, no. Only living in Detroit one fucking year. Right, right. And I, I, but that wasn't even the original guy. But like their main, their main stick was well, the Detroit Lions have never built up to anything. So what's draining about them? Oh, I don't know. Having the hope to see something every year. That just, I mean, it irritated the hell out of me. And I think, I mean, if for those of you listening, if you want to let us know on our socials, what do you think yours is? But if you don't agree with us, I mean, I just don't see any other team, man. I don't. I don't see because well, then you look at the teams that were mentioned. You know, Cleveland Browns are arguably on paper have the number one team in the NFL this right year. Now, yeah. Um. Then you go and look at the Washington Redskins, who have <laughs> they're not as they bad as history. people cut them out you to be. I mean? You know, you had currently got like one of the best running backs of all time, if you ask me. And Adrian Peterson, yeah, he's slowed down a bit, but he's still producing. Right. Um. When I mean, you had Alex owner. Smith for a little bit, you know, or you still got him now. He he is capable. Kirk Cousins wasn't terrible. You've had notable players in your franchise, like the Lions have had that, but they were the only they have, players. They have nothing to show for it. Whereas the Washington Redskins have a history where they can say, you know what, we've been to Super Bowls, we've won Super Bowls, we've done all these things. But the Lions don't. The Lions don't have anything. The Lions literally don't have anything to show that they had Kelvin Johnson or have anything to show that they had Barry Sanders other than a couple playoff appearances. Barry got to win, and got to win our only playoff game, but he left early. He was like, fuck that. He did not He did a Andrew Luck. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It irritated the hell out of me when I saw it, and I had to, I had to get it off my chest, man. I just, I, I don't see how you can't agree that they've been the most draining. Um, but I mean, that's that's all I got for the NFL. If you want to move to college football, yeah. week two preview. Before we get into college football, I just want to mention uh, with my picks last week, I'm three for four. So look out for Notre Dame Louisville this tonight. But. Uh, you should you should go with my picks, everybody. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, big guy. Hey, you well, make I'm gonna some start money. it off. Um, before we get into the preview here, I do want to point something out that I told I told y'all to listen to look out for, and I was right. Travis Etienne, Clemson running back. I mean, holy shit! Yeah. You know, broke uh, broke the school record for the longest run touchdown run with a 90 yard on top of two more rushing touchdowns had over 200 rushing yards on only 12 attempts yeah that's just over 17 17, yards per rushing yes average just over 17 yards 
I mean, dude broke out. Yeah, he did. I, and don't get me wrong. I was a little nervous for you with that fumble early in the game, but he ended up having a great day. Uh, I mean, he killed it. I, I think that is definitely a guy you want to look for, and people are starting to talk about him as a Heisman candidate. Yeah, I think he's right now he's top six. Or he's, yeah, top ten. I think I would say top ten. Top somewhere ten in without there, a but, doubt, but I know he's like at least top six or seven in it right now. I think he's the number two running back behind the guy at uh, Wisconsin. I don't remember his name. Yeah, but, um, I, I don't remember his name either, but yeah, he's he, definitely in that conversation. Yeah, he's right. definitely, he's, he's probably, I would say top two for sure of running backs in the college football. So, I mean, he had a big day, so you were right bow down to Brad. Big Brad God over damn here. damn right. <laughs> but uh, for college football, I mean, the, I only noted a couple of games here that interest me this coming week. Uh, I'm looking forward to Texas A&M at Clemson. I think Clemson's going to have a pretty big game against them, and they have a somewhat uh, somewhat real opponent in Texas A&M. They're top 25, so we'll see how they do. Uh, they're 18.5-point favorites. I think they cover that with ease, so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, do you have anything to add to Clemson, or you just see them rolling through? Tra- you think uh, Travis can have another big game? Um, yeah, I mean, Travis Etienne, I think he's going to be one of those guys that doesn't slow down. I don't think he has one bad game this year. I'd like to see in this game. I'd like to see Trevor Lawrence play a little bit better. I think, I mean, he did good, but I think, uh, the hype we had around him needs to, if it's not going to just be hype, I think he needs to play a little bit better, but touch one more time on Etienne. You want my personal opinion? I think he breaks 1800 rushing yards this year. He had damn near 1,700 last year in uh, 1,658 with 24 TDs. Yeah. I mean, that's I think he impressive. breaks 1,800 yards this year, and I think he gets 28 TDs. Yeah. Well, I definitely look forward to him playing throughout the rest of the season. Uh, the other big game, we got a top 10 matchup coming up for the first time. Uh, we got LSU at Texas. So that should be an interesting game. I think LSU is a fun team to watch I think they're on the they're kind of getting up there to be close to Alabama and the SEC I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game and everybody keeps saying Texas is back I don't think they're necessarily back but they could be a good team Sam Ellinger's a good quarterback yeah he is a great quarterback I like him a lot I like him I like him but uh, I think LSU's got it I mean they're four and a half point favorites right now they're in Texas though so that should be interesting to see that's that one I'm not even going to pick on because that could go any which way. I mean, LSU could either play big, and they fall short in some high-pressure games, though. So it's early in the season. It's time to really see what they're what they're about moving forward. You got Stanford or USC is my other one. I'm not too high on it, but I think USC is going to win that one. It's a West Coast game. I, like, I always like watching them play every year. So seeing USC, I think uh, – I think they'll get Stanford out of the top 25 and they'll they'll hop in there, but that should be interesting to see. All right. Um I do want to talk a little bit on the ridiculous scoring numbers that happened this past weekend. Um, oh, Big 10, baby. Yeah, both Big 10 teams, uh Penn State 79 to 7 against Idaho. <laughs> I honestly that makes me nervous. When I saw that game, like compared to Ohio State and Michigan, who both scored under 45 against other cupcake cupcake schools. I mean, Idaho, I didn't think was, uh, no, it's not Idaho. Never mind. But either way, not that big of a school cupcake team, but to see Penn state come out and put up that many points makes me nervous. Seeing Michigan's offense kind of struggle this past weekend and Ohio state's not necessarily struggle, but they, they didn't do as much damage as you would have thought they did. Um, Penn State might be a team to look out for in the Big Ten, man. I'm, I mean, they're pretty nerve-wracking. It's 79 points is insane in itself. And then 
just, uh, I don't know, that offense scares me. And that team's done great the last couple of years. So that should be definitely a big, uh, big battle in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, they had seven different people score a touchdown. If you take away the quarterback, they had seven different people score a touchdown. That's just You had two receivers, five running backs, and then they had a defensive touchdown. <laughs> That's one thing That's though scary. is I, I won't think about I won't worry about is I don't think much of Sean Clifford. Um if you really look at his game, he didn't have an outstanding game, you know, fourteen for twenty three on two eighty yards and two touchdowns. No picks, which is good. But if you ask me, um might be a little bit of a, a little cliche here, but my guy to watch out on Penn State, KJ Hamler. A guy out of Michigan himself, you know, went to St. Mary's. Um I actually know him personally, but you know, went to IMG's last year and now he's in Penn State just you know, in already had a pretty solid season last year, you know, coming in here first game of the season on four receptions for 115 yards and two TDs, averaged 28.8 yards. Yeah, I, I, you know what's funny? You mentioned him last week, and I uh, I went and followed him on Instagram, and I, 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 I mess with him. I like him there, and I think, uh, I mean, he's going to show out. That's pretty cool. He's local, and maybe we can get him on the show sometime. That'd be yeah, pretty maybe sweet. Maybe we'll see. But, yeah, that's, uh, that, I mean, Penn State just, they scare me, man. That They scare me when – when Michigan has to play them, and I, I mean they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. Uh, and then you got Maryland. I don't think Maryland's going to be all that great, but them to shut out and go seventy nine zero against Howard. What the fuck? Man? It don't it I mean, don't just, matter how bad a team is. Seventy nine is a big number. Yeah, seventy nine is a a huge number. So I, I mean, especially against. It, I, I get it. There's, it's a little bit one-sided when it comes to college football and these littler schools, but 79 points is a challenge. So the fact that they did that and it's and didn't let the other team score even once, I mean that's that's scary. But uh, I mean I'm reading here, Jackson threw for four touchdowns in that game. I, I just that's that's it's uh, a lot of points. That's a lot of points. You don't see that very often. To see it week one in college football is impressive. That zero just it uh, <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. Seventy nine to zero. Yeah. While we're recapping last week's games, I do want to mention uh, the kicker out of Nevada. I know we talked about that briefly beforehand. Uh, we got a walk on freshman out of Nevada who was down. I, I believe they were down fifteen or sixteen points late in the third quarter against Purdue. Um, and, and they came back at the end of the game earlier in the day. The coach decided, hey, I'm going to I'm going to start um, uh, Brandon Talton is the name for freshman over uh, Spencer, their their fifth year senior um, right before the game. Essentially, the team didn't even know that that I mean, the team didn't even know that this guy was going to be starting. So the fact that he came out and hit a 56 yard field goal to win the game last second is insane. And then the cool little fun story. It's a little bit of a warm hearted story in the end. Uh, while the coach was giving him the post game kind of hype up talk in the locker room, he offered him the game ball and then also said, you also get a scholarship to this school. And I think that it, I mean, just hearing that story is exciting for that kid. And, uh, I thought it was a really cool story to see and hear. Um, but that was definitely something I liked this weekend. One of my favorite moments, you should say, this weekend. But it is surprising to see Purdue lose like that. I thought Purdue was a pretty decent team. They're a pretty scrappy team. Yeah, I mean, Purdue, they've always been, you know, a pretty solid squad. Um, Nevada, you would never look at a team like that, you know, to come under. And to have a guy like that, you know, walk on, just come out of nowhere and hit the game winner and then just get that scholarship. I mean, that's yeah, just, that's, that's awesome. Cool. That's you love cool hearing story. about stuff like that. Definitely a cool story. 
But all right, from there, let's uh, let's talk Heisman. You want to talk Heisman? Let, let me hear your picks before we so, get into this. So top three, I'm gonna I'm gonna I like the bold. I, I like to be bold, baby. I'm gonna tell you right now is number one, Jalen Hurts, without yeah, question. I, I'm I'm in agreement with you on that. Okay, number two, Sam Ellinger, Texas. Okay, I think he's my number two guy. And the number three position right now is a little up for debate. Um, I can't just pick one guy, but I think it's gonna be between uh Fields and Ohio State. Okay. Okay. And uh, Tua and Bama. Tua and Bama. I See, can't pick one of those two over the other. I just seeing the way Fields played last night or two days ago. Excuse me. Um, it, it's hard to take him out of it. You know, Fields. He had a really, really, really consistent game. And yes, you know, being a Michigan fan, it pisses me off to see now yeah, I three he went twenty-nine for thirty-seven or something. To like now that. see three talented quarterbacks. In a row at Ohio State, you know, Cardale Jones, and then you had uh, Dwayne Haskins, and now you got this motherfucker. Like, and before them, they had Braxton Miller, who wasn't a bad quarterback. So, yeah, I, I mean, mean, not for long. You yeah. know, then he moved to the receiver, receiving running back situation, and better off there. But fuck, man, why can't Michigan get one of these damn guys? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, definitely sad to see, but I, I think. Uh, I'm in agreement with you on most of those. My third is kind of up there too. Um, I have Jalen Hurts. I, I just Oklahoma is. I, I you know I mentioned it last week. I was a little nervous about his sort of uh, uh, what was the word I used last year or last week uh, conservative kind of approach, but clearly he's not nearly as conservative as we all thought. I mean he had an insane game, which we'll touch on in a minute. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna put him in my one spot right now. That could change later on this year. Uh, right below him. Trevor Lawrence didn't have that great of a game, but I think he's still going to have a pretty big year. Um, and then my three spot, it's kind of up in the air myself. I like Tua, but I also like, excuse me, uh, I really like Adrian Martinez, the the quarterback out of Nebraska. I think Scott Frost, has he's put that team together pretty well, and I think they're going to have a pretty good year. And he, he has a pretty good shot. He's kind of the sleeper pick for Heisman's right now, but it's between him and Tua for me as of right now. Um, I think Tua's probably going to make that jump, though, just because it's Bama. And, I mean, that team overall is always good. So definitely something to look forward to. But I'm in 100% agreeance with you and Jalen Hurts. So while we're talking about it, you want to you want to talk a little bit about his game? Or? Oh, yeah. So I got some numbers here. Um, I mean, the dude. Wow. Yeah. And. I, so yeah, let's let's look at these numbers here. So this dude, 332 passing yards, yeah. 176 rushing yards, yeah. three TDs at each on each passing and rushing, yeah. and set the school record for the most yards in a debut game at 508. That's insane. He had an 87% pass completion percentage, and they also had a a rating of 251.3. I mean, the he demolished Houston. I mean, they let some points up, but still, I just, well, wow. The <laughs> like, last... I didn't expect it to be like that. I mean, I thought he was going to be good there, but the fact that he came in and did that just furthers the, I mean, Oklahoma's a team to watch out for, and Jalen Hurts is a hell of a quarterback. Yeah, because, so. I mean, if you think about it, there was a lot of questions thrown up um, how well he was going to do looking at, you know, you had Tua come in and take his starting position after the national championship in 16, 17. Yeah. Um, you know, so there was a lot of people wondering, like, does he still got it? You know, and in my head, I was like, yeah, but I didn't expect this at all. No, and, not at all. I mean, they still use him a little bit at Bama, but they, they clearly moved on from him and, took Tua but I just 
I didn't see it either. I mean, I just that's insane to me. The fact that he could come out and do that. That's the best that's the best numbers he's put up through his entire career so far. So Well, yeah. And I mean, the last person to do this in the last 15 years to have over 300 passing yards, three passing TDs, over 150 rushing yards and three rushing TDs. Johnny Manziel in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, I mean that's, that's not much. I think that is crazy that Johnny Manziel is the other one that holds that record. I just hope Jalen Hurts has a better NFL career than him uh, moving forward. But I think Jalen Hurts definitely has. You don't have to worry about his personality issues like he did Johnny. So well, yeah, and then I actually saw a quick little post game interview. Um, and it blew it kind of pissed me off I'm not gonna lie yeah. to you but I like the you know the, the humbleness he carried with himself is he was you know asked like you know how do you feel and he he didn't even crack a smile he's hit he, what he said back was I need to talk to the boys we got to do better and I couldn't I could I paused the video and was like what <laughs> like I mean, what you just broke a, like a school record when you, I hear you broke that, a college football record and it's like yeah what the fuck is this guy going to do this year? Right. If he's upset with how his team played after putting up those numbers, it's Oklahoma could be a scary team, man. I think they're that I I didn't believe in Oklahoma the last couple of years going into the college football playoff, but this year might be different. I think Jalen Hurts and I I didn't think Jalen Hurts had it in his legs either. The fact that he ran that many yards and damn near 200. I did not think he could do that. It's just Damn, that team's going to be tough to beat moving well, forward. And, I mean, um, touching on him, if he does win Heisman this year, that'll be third year in a row that an Oklahoma quarterback won the Heisman and Baker and Kyler Murray before him. Yeah. The only sad thing is you don't see any real competition until, I mean, unless you want to consider UCLA in week three, um, you don't have any real competition for them to see like what they're really made of until uh, the Red River battle in uh, week, what is that, seven against Texas. I mean, yeah, but I mean, if he keeps putting up these numbers, you can't deny it. Yeah, it's no, still 100%. hard to do that. Yeah, you're still playing and a Houston's competitive not a bad sport. Team. They're not like, in my opinion, I don't think Pup or uh, uh, Houston's that big of a cupcake team. But I mean, it's it, that's uh, the fact that they. I mean, he scored and got that many yards is just uh, that's I don't know. That's scary to me. Mm-hmm. So after that, I do want to touch on a uh, name you mentioned last week. Bo Nix, and he didn't have an outstanding game. You know, he's he's not he's not a stick out quarterback, but a really just something really cool. Obviously, getting the game winning touchdown um, against Oregon, really cool story I got here. I actually saw a tweet by uh, where is it here? A tweet by the SEC Network, and it was in 2011. Bo Nix watched Auburn defeat Oregon in the BCS National Championship game when Cam Newton was quarterback. And the picture is Cam Newton jumping into the crowd, and Bo Nix is like three people over as like a kid just at the game. That is definitely really cool. Tonight, Nix threw the game-winning touchdown TD to lead Auburn to a come-from-behind victory over Oregon as a true freshman. Yeah. And then they have a picture of him as the quarterback. And I just think that's that's a really cool story, you know, that the last time they beat this team, he was there. Yeah. 
and here he is again doing it himself. Yeah, that That's, is very I just cool think to it's see. Cool. Uh, I, I mean, I think Bo Nix is going to have a good career there. I think, I mean, for his first game, he didn't do that. The fact that he put his team on his shoulders at the end, got the game winner and all that, it's definitely a good story. And I think uh, I think he's only going to get better throughout this season. I, I mean, it's a true freshman. That was his first game, and he played well against Oregon. So I'm not too worried about it. I think he's going to be – I think he's still going to have a pretty good year moving forward. So well, in that game, actually, I'm not going to lie to you – scared me for Justin Herbert because yeah. he didn't have a great game. It, that's why he's all. not in my top three anymore. I had him as a Heisman candidate. I think he's still up there. I think he had a rough game. I mean, it's hard to go to Auburn and from especially from the West Coast, but I think Herbert's still going to have a decent season, but I was really hoping, honestly, for the pac 12 sake, I was hoping Oregon would win it. I, I'm an Auburn. I wouldn't say a fan, but I do like Auburn. Um, but, I mean, I'm curious to see how Oregon Oregon follows it up next week. I think uh, Herbert definitely has some work moving forward if he wants to secure that first-round draft pick this year. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the uh, NBA, uh, we want to just do a quick little uh, – get a quick word from our sponsors here at On the Dune Sports. Before we get into the NBA, I want to thank our sponsor on the Dune Sports for allowing us to have this space once again. Uh, they have fall registration opening up for winter golf leagues as well as their axe throwing leagues, which are brand new this year. Check them out at www.onthedunesports.com forward slash leagues to register. Uh, leagues last nine weeks long. You're going head to head against other people and uh, something definitely worth checking out. We're located in Commerce, Michigan, and the phone number is 248-313-9713. Check them out. All right, welcome back. Box Score Sports Episode 2. We're going to jump right into some NBA and talk uh, this little situation with Kobe and Shaq going on here. Um, kind of spawned a little bit of a personal opinion. In a, some interview with uh, Kobe, They he mentioned that if Shaq was in better shape, he would have won 12 rings. Interesting. I mean... Uh, <laughs> 12 rings? 12? I mean... Yeah, that's a and high the, number. <laughs> and the way, the way I look at it is he considers himself a top three player, but in order to win more rings, he needs another superstar to do it? <sighs> yeah, I mean, a lot of teams, though, like, I, I guess... I mean, you can't really say Michael had a superstar behind him, but Pippen wasn't terrible, you know what I mean? So, But then you got... Shaq or uh, LeBron kind of did the same thing in Miami. So if, okay, I but you look at what he did when he was in Cleveland the first time, and the best player he had was like Zadrenus. I can't say his name. Yeah. I never can. But yeah, I mean, no, he never he, had like and a great ring. roster. Behind. And he won a ring there. Yeah, that is and true. that was the best player he had. That and I true. don't even. I couldn't name one other person on that team. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, but Shaq is like arguably top five center of all time. Right. Um, three of them being Lakers, including him. And it just it doesn't put him in the top three for me because he indirectly just said that he needs the help of another superstar to win more rings. And I don't think that puts him above a lot of other names. I think that kicks him out of the top three for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. And I, I mean, I did find something interesting with that. Uh, I'm reading here. Uh, Shaq actually had a I don't know if you saw this, but a, a signal that he would tell his teammates to stop him hogging the ball. He would twitch his thumbs at his teammates and say, that's like him saying, hey, don't pass Kobe the ball, which I thought was funny. I mean, clearly they didn't have the chemistry to win. I mean, they could have been, I, I, I don't think 12, but I think they could have definitely won more if they clicked a little bit better. Yeah, I saw something that, uh, two things actually that Shaq posted. One of them, um, it was actually kind of funny, made me chuckle a little bit. It was a, 
The caption said, damn, I was so lazy, and the picture was him dunking on the entire starting five of the New Jersey Nets. Um, I mean, <laughs> how are you going to call out Shaq and tell him he was lazy when he's one of the, probably one of the strongest and most dominant NF- NBA players? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it was definitely like a, it was a little fun little jab. I mean, I thought that feud was kind of put to rest, but clearly, uh, clearly I guess those two guys are still going at it today. And then I mean, there was a... Funny. Another post, I don't remember if he posted or somebody else quoted him from something, but he said that they would have won in uh, 04 against Detroit if Kobe would have passed the ball more. Um, oh, <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe he literally said he we probably would have beat. Yeah, he, he literally said we probably would have beat him Pistons in 04 if he would have not hogged the ball so much. I mean, he's not wrong, dude. Yeah, and it, it says here that uh, Bryant had a, uh, <laughs> after winning his fifth championship, the quote was, I just got one more than Shaq. <laughs> I just think it's so petty that those two are still going after each other. I mean, that's just funny to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it really is. To me, it's funny just because the, the response with Shaq and the the post and this, I just think it's, yeah. it's a ridiculous. I mean, you, you think it'd be put to rest, but clearly not. They're still, uh, they're still going at it there. I mean... In, in more serious news, though, you got DeMarcus Cousins, uh, a, w- a warrant issued for his arrest a couple days ago for his uh, alleged domestic violence claims against his ex-girlfriend. Um, what do you think, man? What, where, where do we go from here for Cousins? I know he's battled some injuries, but... Uh, I mean, this guy has had a tough past two seasons. Um, January of 18, got the uh, Achilles tear in New Orleans. Yeah. Then it, just this year in April, um, had the torn quad for the war, uh, the Warriors, and then now in this month in August, well, technically last month in August, um, had the ACL tear with the Lakers. So you know we're looking at three different injuries with three different teams in the last two seasons, and followed up by domestic violence. And then yeah, now he's got this domestic violent warrant out for his arrest. I mean, fuck, dude. <laughs> I mean, do you see him moving forward? I mean, do you see him on a team? I, I don't know what this, the legality of the situation is. Obviously, he's got, I mean, he's getting charged with third degree domestic violence, according to reports, uh, and it's up to him to turn himself in. But I just thought it was crazy that this all came out the day before his wedding. I mean, that's insane. And obviously, the things that were said in that video were sort of, con- not even sort of, they're very concerning to threaten to kill somebody over. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Mean, but to go through all that with the injuries and then this, I just don't know. I mean, does he have a bounce back year in the future? Or is he done? I think it's just, I mean, he you don't just on a get over deal, this shit. Right, with the Lakers. I believe so, yes. So, so I think this is going to take up most of his game. Yeah. Um, I mean, up until last year, he was career. averaging just about 25 points per game through four, five, six seasons, six seasons. Yeah, it goes without question. This guy's a dominant center in the league, you know, arguably one of the best, but fuck. Like he he can't even stay in the the leagues and it's, uh, you know, in the league and it's, I don't, I don't even know what to think at this point. I mean, this guy has been all over the place and it, it's discipline. If you ask me, he needs to be a little more just calm the fuck down. He needs to be more professional. His attitude uh, is just ugly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, when I was earlier in this week, when I was researching on this topic, uh, I, I did, I mean, up until he got, this was like the day before, of course, before he got issued that warrant. But I mean, a lot of questions were like, was this clip edited? What was the context before these 22 seconds? Was it real? Like, uh, there was a lot of legalities they were wondering about it. And uh, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for him. I'm curious to see what the NBA does to him. It's still a pretty confusing, muddled situation, but I... <laughs> I don't know if I should feel bad for the guy or if I should say, well, he's getting what he deserves. I mean, obviously you want good players in your league. That's any, that goes without question in any league. I mean, whether it be NBA, whether it be the NFL, MLB, it doesn't matter. You always want dominant players. Otherwise, no one's watching. And I was really excited to see him in the Lakers until obviously the injury and now this. I mean, sad situation, but I'm curious to see if he can come back from it later on. I mean... Is he going to go on to a fourth team for the what is that the four teams in the last through his entire career uh, between the Kings, Pelicans, Warriors, Lakers? Actually, there'd be his fifth team. So we'll see. I mean, if you want to even count the Lakers, but I mean, if he even plays, yeah, if he plays, because on top of the ACL tear, well, you got this shit. He, they already said he wasn't playing the season. Yeah, the ACL tear. So it's a matter of will they even take the chance of resigning him? Yeah, I don't or know just, if it's worth that. Risk. Just go. I think a out. lot of teams might look past him for that reason. I mean, he's a high risk player now. So yeah, I mean, but it's he's still. I mean, at a decent age, he's been in the league what eight nine years now. I think this would have been his ninth year. He got drafted in 2010. So um, he's 29 years old. I don't know, man. It's kind of nerve-wracking to see whether he makes it back or it's definitely up for debate right without a doubt I mean he he didn't and like I said he hasn't he's been pretty good up until last year I mean last year he even averaged 16 points a game so that's not and he didn't play in all games he only played 30 so you know yeah. he could he could be fairly good still moving forward I'm just curious to see I mean he hasn't played a full season since his rookie year from the looks of it so Right. Well, another another name in the NBA who's uh, up for debate here is uh, Carmelo Anthony. He's been a pretty big talk this offseason, you know, whether he'll even net, give, get another chance at the NBA. And based on rumors, it's looking like the Nets might be that team. Yeah. Yeah. From what I read, uh, according to Complex here, it says uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie have really been pushing for the Brooklyn Mets upper management to sign Carmelo Anthony. And they can they consider themselves, quote, family. They say that's family. Um and then it also said here, uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, said, so that's bigger than basketball. If something happens, something's going to happen. So, I mean, I think the chemistry's there. Melo, in my opinion, hasn't made much noise. The last, I mean, he's kind of been on his downswing since even before he left the Knicks. So whether he makes a huge impact is interesting, but he's still a big name. I mean, t- to join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the Nets, uh, the, I mean... It's, it should be interesting. I mean, he definitely would be a good bench guy. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't see him doing any damage as a starter. Um, like we've said, his career has definitely gone downhill year by year. Um, he hasn't really had any surprising numbers since really even, like you said, when he left the Knicks. I mean, he hasn't. He did okay in Houston for a few years, but he never, never I mean, never made any noise. But, impact. yeah, I mean, I do have another quote here from the same article you're on from Complex. Um I mean, their relationship goes way back between Carmelo and uh, KD. You know, KD said something. He said, he's been my friend since I was in high school, so we talk about everything. That's like my big big brother right there. You know what I mean? So think about, I mean, the chemistry that they could have being on the same team. You know, that's something that people aren't looking at is like sometimes chemistry makes you play better. Yeah. 
And I mean, if a team can mesh that well, I, I was a little nervous at first when KD and Kyrie joined together because you always hear talks between the two. I mean, they both have their own storylines year in and year out that they're not great teammates or whatever the case may be. I mean, Kyrie, especially in Boston, but to have somebody like Melo in there, even just having that leadership and having that connection between KD and Melo could be very good for him. It's just unfortunate KD's not going to be playing this year, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, that would be, uh, I, I, could see it. I think it would be nice to see, and I mean, good on him. I, I think that's good for their chemistry, and it would be interesting to see Melo join the Nets. Do yeah, I mean, them? if you ask me, I think they should at least give him a chance, yeah. throw on a one-year deal, you know. Yeah, you're losing a few bucks if nothing comes out of it, but... I don't see him getting signed for all that much, though. No, I'm just... That's why I said just a few bucks, you know. They're not going to take a money risk there, hoping that he's going to come back and be his old self. Yeah, that's you could sign him on a minimum deal. Yeah, just, you know... Just see, you know, because like you said, Kyrie and Durant are both pushing for it. You know, management, they want it to happen, you know, and it's it makes you wonder what could be. So, yeah. And in today's league, I mean, the the players have a lot of power. So if they want something done, they're going to get something done. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of weeks we see Melo join the Nets and maybe he does pretty good. I mean, he didn't play that many games last year. I think he only played 10. So we'll see. But I think it. uh I think it should be pretty good for him if he does join him. So, I mean, that's interesting for sure. All right. Well, we're going to jump over to the MLB here. Um, baseball. First story I got for you. Verlander, no hitter number three. Yeah. I mean, that hurts a little bit as a Tigers fan. I mean, it doesn't hurt. I love Verlander. I, I liked him when he left anyways, but it still hurts. I mean, this I mean. guy left Detroit, went and got a World Series win. Now he's got another no-hitter and maybe even another World Series in the tracks. I mean... Yeah, second-place team in the MLB right now. The thing that scares me the most is Toronto is supposed to be a team that's going to be in the postseason, yeah. you know, and he threw a no-hitter on them. Right. So it's like to think that he can do that to a team that actually is capable of winning, yeah. not just some other team, you know. it. I mean, this guy's on his 15th season and he's still doing this shit. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's... Insane. Hall of Fame? The Hall of Fame. He's, I mean, I I think he was in the Hall of Fame before he left Detroit, but he's. if you look at his numbers, his ERA has dropped a lot since he's left Detroit. Um, his last year in Detroit, he had a 3.82 uh, ERA, and then since joining Houston, I mean, his five games with Houston, he had a 1.06 ERA. So there's that. But following year, 2018, when he got to play a full season, 2.52 ERA. And then this year, so far, 2.56. Before that, though, he hadn't had a sub-3 ERA since 2012 with the Tigers. Every other year after that, it was like 3.5, 4.5, just over 3. I mean, he never got below 3 earned runs. I mean, it, that's crazy. He's played a lot better than Houston, so it hurts. But at the same time, I mean, I think he's going, I think he's going to be in the hall of fame one day and he's a hell of a pitcher, man. He's definitely a hell of a pitcher. I mean, I'm happy for the guy at the end of the day, you know, like we said, it does hurt being a Tigers guy to see him succeed so well after leaving Detroit. And it seems to be, that's a, uh, that's a reoccurring thing in multiple sports. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it does happen a lot. I don't know. I mean, this, this guy's fucking good. Does he get another one? I mean, he's 36 years old now. Do you think one to tell at this point? Right. Yeah. I mean, the guy is old and he's fucking kicking ass still. I mean, I think he's if he's going to keep playing like this, he's going to be there another couple of years. And I, I could see him winning another World Series this year, which 
he deserved a few with us in Detroit. We just couldn't get it done. I mean, especially with the pitching staff we had at the time. But uh, he's definitely playing extremely well. And I think uh, moving forward, I mean, he's 17-5 and five this year. He's already beaten his record last year. So I think it would be very interesting to see a Yankees-Houston um, World, Series. World Series. I mean, I you're talking it. about I mean, one of the best the hitting teams. teams. Right now. Yeah, you're talking so. about one of the top hitting teams in the league and then top pitching team in the league. I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean. Shit. Yeah. The Yankees are crazy. I mean, without going too in-depth with them, I just think getting Aaron Judge and then that new guy, Mike Ford. I, that and they, team, got, they got they went and got Giancarlo Stanton in the offseason yeah. two yeah, years Mike ago. Mike Ford's their, uh, their rookie this year. Uh, he just got a walk-off home run the other day. I mean, they definitely have a developmental program there that's made them one of the best teams, and it's, it's sad to see that. <laughs> I mean, Detroit definitely needs to get their game up and hopefully uh their records are almost glory. opposite i mean yeah. literally yeah. 90 wins 40 losses and, he, and detroit's got 40 wins 90 losses right. so yeah. i mean polar opposites literally for sure but um speaking on big hitting teams minnesota twins the other game the other day against detroit um had officially broken the single season home run record uh with 268 beating the last year's yankees by one by uh, a run um, they're on track to break 300. Do you think they do it? I mean, the way the league's been going the last, uh, actually all season, I think they, they're they well on their way to beat it. And I wouldn't be surprised if another team sneaks up behind them and beats the previous record as well. I mean, I think they're obviously setting their own record, but the, the previously held record, there's got to be a team close behind them. Um, this year, I mean, I feel like the, the I mean, sort of like the offense last year and, uh, in the NFL, oh, it was crazy how many points were being scored. It's crazy if you really look at baseball this year. How many times have you seen games where they're double-digit wins? Or I remember what was it a few weeks ago? It was Boston, New York, and England, and the score was like nineteen to fourteen, something ridiculous. I, like that's not to me. That's not baseball scores, but somehow it's the new baseball scoring. I mean, it's the just overall this year. I think the the MLB has blown out all their home run records. I mean, it's right. And as of um, as of this year, the closest team behind them is the Dodgers. They're exactly thirty runs shorter than uh, the Twins are. They're yeah, at they got the leading hitter right now, I believe, with Bellinger. So yeah, Bellinger and Yelich are kind of fighting for that most home runs this year. So I, I mean, I don't see. I mean, they still got what? We just did the math. Thirty something games left. So I I could definitely see the and Dodgers still got getting all of, that. Yeah, yeah, all of September. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have plenty of time to break the previous record and maybe even catch up to them. So I think MLB, I think, I don't know if it's the changing of the balls that caused all this or what the case may be, but uh, definitely interesting and something to look forward to moving on. I mean, that's intense. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, the changing of the balls with the, you know, the deal with Rawlings and. All that you know, you you expected the numbers to go up a little bit. Um, that doesn't make it any less just fascinating. Yeah. I mean, yeah. still, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see in the playoffs if that uh, the high scoring holds up. I think that's when, in my opinion, I think that's when baseball gets interesting to me. I mean, the regular season's definitely something to watch and look but with forward so to. So many every games, while, it's just hard to keep I, up. I think that maybe it's just a personal perspective for me. The Tigers suck right now, so I don't necessarily care about baseball. Maybe once they're good, I'll like hey, I'll pay a little bit more attention. But once baseball playoffs comes around, I'll I'll definitely pay a lot more attention, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I mean, that is crazy that they're scoring that many home runs and stuff. I mean, 
crazy. Uh, other MLB news, you got uh, the autopsy for Tyler Skaggs coming out this week. He was found with uh, fentanyl, ethanol, and alcohol in his system. Um, drowned in his own vomit. I mean, that's sad to hear. Uh, when it first came out, a lot of people expected it to be like a just a natural something happened with his heart kind of thing. And the fact that they came out, I think that speaks to the issues in society right now with the opioid crisis and stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't have much to say other than that. That's sad for the angels organization. And I mean, you gotta, you gotta send your hopes out for that family and hopefully they're handling that. Okay. But unfortunate story to hear for Tyler Skaggs. Yeah. I mean, I just saw something the other day. It was, uh, Mike Trout spoke on it in a, you know, like a press conference and he teared up talking about it. I mean, every, you know, everyone knows that Skaggs was a, you know, one of the closer teammates on the team, you know, that everyone had a good relationship with the guy. Yeah, he was a young guy. I believe he was like 26 or something. Something like that. But I remember we actually talked about this before you mentioned that there was a investigation going on throughout the organization because apparently um, he got those things through um, someone in the staff yeah. or even... Yeah, someone's definitely getting fired once that organization's over, that's for sure. I mean, I, I don't know whether it... I didn't hear much on it. I know it was someone in the staff that they were investigating that never disclosed who it was or what the case was. Um, my assumption, just from being sort of, I guess, a pessimist in this manner, I think they probably were giving him some sort of painkillers and maybe giving him a higher dose than he needed or whatever the case may be. And it eventually led to his overdose and I mean, what had happened. So I, I mean, I would definitely look out for that. Um, I think that's a problem in all sports. Yeah. Right I mean, now, I was so. just going to say, it makes you start thinking, you know, it definitely didn't spawn the thought, but it definitely, uh, you know, aggravated it, I guess you could say, um, that these, these professional athletes have a little more access to these high, you know, high powered, high end drugs, um, whether it be painkillers or, you know, things like that. And it's, yeah, I get it is because their bodies are going through a little more than the average human being, but still, I mean, they have easy access to high end, powerful drugs that it's yeah. kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, the, the, when you have your own physicians and doctors who have access to that, I mean, I'm sure they've been some rules in regards to like you and I can't just go to our local doctor and say, Hey, give me some Oxycontin, but they, I'm sure they could. So, um, it is definitely an unfortunate thing in sports in general. So seeing that was kind of a sad thing to see this year. I mean, obviously that's the second death in the last couple of years for MLB players. The last one wasn't necessarily an overdose, but I think he did have cocaine in the system when he died. That was the uh, Marlins pitcher. Um, but uh, it's it's unfortunate to see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, like I said, his family's doing okay, and uh, the Angels. I, I think they've been pretty good this year, so I think they're going to make a run to the postseason. Um, hopefully, that team does a little bit better. But it's definitely sad to hear. For sure, um, that about wraps it up for the for MLB. There, the major sports. Yeah, I got some. Uh, I got some grab bag stuff I found interesting over the course of the last week. Uh, just some stuff that went viral. Um, the first thing was just this guy uh, Zach Bitter, thirty-three year old out of Wisconsin, um, and you might have found this interesting too. Uh, he ran a hundred miles nonstop in eleven hours, nineteen minutes, and thirteen seconds. <laughs> Beat the world record for a hundred mile run consistent 100 but like a consecutive 100 miles like that translates to 32 point a 32 and a half 5ks that's fucking ridiculous yeah that's 21 minutes 21 minutes and six seconds per 5k which is insane to me that's also ridiculous yeah and he was running just about six minute 47 second miles times 100 i mean what (laughs) 
I mean, I feel like I need to sleep for three days after one 5K. This guy ran how many? 30 what? Uh, 32 and a half. I mean, what the fuck? What and kind of superhuman? What kind of superhuman? At, in under That's 12 hours. That's fucking ridiculous. Too. Like, how are you going to spend your afternoon? I'm going to run 100 miles. <laughs> when I saw it, I just, I found it to be an interesting story. I mean, that's... That's fucking ridiculous. Crazy to me. I mean, it, that, he'd definitely be a cool guy to talk to and see what was going through. I mean, how do you even entertain yourself for 11 hours? And, 11 well, you, and a half what, what hours. I, what I want to know, <laughs> what do you do after? <laughs> right. You just fucking yeah. drop and just... Uh, yeah. I'm curious. How many you need a paramedic or some shit? Uh, <laughs> had to be in the tens of thousands. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Insane. Um, outside of that, I had uh, death diving, um, a.k.a. dotsing is like the, the Norwegian term for it. Um, <laughs> it's it's the craziest sport I've ever seen. I've seen some shit on Twitter. These guys, they just do these just this goofy poses in yeah. midair on their way down, whether it be hands on the hips or almost dancing on their way down. I mean, it's probably, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I watching these it, fuckers. Uh, they, they jump off of a 10 meter, 10 meter platform, which equals about 32 feet above the water. Uh, and they have to form an X with their body as long as possible before impacting the water. So they get scored by judges. It's probably the easiest sport to go pro in. I mean, I couldn't see it. Like, I couldn't fucking do it. I mean, <laughs> It's called death diving. I mean, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, right there, I'm good for sure. But I feel like it's one of those sports. Like I could go out to Norway right now and be like, "Hey, let me let me try this." And I mean, how hard is it? You're just doing a belly flop with some weird poses in between. I mean, it from might thirty hurt really some odd bad. feet from the air. Yeah, but it, I thought that was interesting. It went viral this week. So if you guys saw it, check it out. It's pretty hilarious to watch. And fun fact, it's actually the fastest growing sport in Norway right now. So I just. The fact future that Olympic even- sport. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if I see some fuckers jumping off a thirty foot diving board for Olympics. Yeah, I guess they have wow. two categories. It's like freestyle, and then the other one was a little bit more. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's just it's just watching the video is uh, definitely interesting to see, and the fact that people do that over there for fun professionally. I yeah, mean, I was just about to say that you should. It was the World Championships last week, man. The crowds were huge. It was just. <laughs> Just, At the end of the day, it's got to be funny as hell to watch in yeah. person, even oh, more. I mean, you're literally sitting here watching these dudes damn near risk their life yeah. and look stupid as hell while doing yeah. it. Yeah, I think it originated back in, it's only like three or four years old, maybe mm-hmm. five. Um, but when I saw the story, I was like, okay, this is definitely something worth mentioning. If you haven't seen it yet, dotsing or death diving, yeah, look up death diving. The first thing you'll see is like a 2019 World Series or World Championship recap. And it's it's definitely something to look at. Um, and then my other thing I got here was uh, Swiss wrestling. Um, definitely uh, interesting sport, to say the least. Swiss Same wrestling. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's a uh, it's bunch of big grown up guys. Like I'm talking like big guys and they're uh they're in overalls and (laughs) honestly it didn't even look like overalls it kind of looked like chaps but (laughs) either way and then they had a like a flannel shirt and and a big dirt pit just fucking going (laughs) at it it was the world championships for that last week too i mean just looking into it 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 was goofy as hell if you're looking for something to entertain yourself for a few minutes definitely something worth checking out i mean just a bunch of big meaty boys (laughs) wrestling in some fucking dirt fully clothed yeah i think the objective in that one's just knocking the guy to the ground but i just (laughs) watch it i mean there's some funny things you can see in the world some of the shit this people do around this planet is just fucking ridiculous and that's a professional (laughs) sport too like that had a it was like a baseball stadium full of people just watching these it was like sumo wrestling but in dirt 
not, it didn't even look like dirt. It kind of looked like, uh, like you know what, uh, hamsters? Yeah. <laughs> like wood chip piles? Yeah. Sort of like that. <laughs> just that doesn't even make sense. each other in the ground. But it was definitely something uh, something I thought was pretty entertaining to watch and check That's out. But Okay. <laughs> So, I mean, if you're ever, dude, just check out the subreddit for re- uh, sports. Yeah, it seems just, like Reddit's very uh, interesting stuff. informative yeah. about um, other professional sports elsewhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to think about that shit. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But, definitely. Uh, definitely some interesting sports out there. Yeah. I mean, but all right, guys, man, that about wraps up episode two here. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Make sure you're following us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. You guys got our handles last week. We'll have them in the descriptions with our videos. We're now on Spotify. We'll be on iTunes soon. We're just waiting for it to get submitted, but we're looking forward to the the weeks to come. If there's anything to say, uh, feel free to mention us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. We got some new segments in the works. Uh, new videos are coming out every Tuesday or Wednesday, from the looks of it, depending on how our recording schedule goes. But that about wraps it up for this week uh, in Box Score Sports. We look forward to next week we're out